record-setting Olympics. High-tech footwear may be helping. Welcome to this edition of the Tokyo Report. I'm Ed Hula. More records set in athletics at the Olympic Stadium. A theory why from one of the world's leading reporters on the sport. She'll be with us in just a minute to share her theory. In the day's news from Tokyo 2020, a Belarusian athlete is on her way to asylum in Poland. Kristina Tumanskaya left Tokyo Wednesday morning after she sought protection from police earlier this week at Haneda Airport. Tumanskaya says she was forced to leave the Olympic Village and return to Belarus after she criticized her coaches in social media postings. The IOC says it is investigating. More on the story at AroundTheRings.com. In another exclusive from Around the Rings, IOC doyen Richard Pound talks with ATR Editor-in-Chief Sebastian Fest across a range of issues. He says Japan has pulled off a miracle in hosting the Games. He's critical of the way the Russian doping saga has been handled, and he has his own suggestion on what the next sport added to the Summer Olympic program should be. The artistic swim team from Greece is out of competition after four athletes and one official tested positive for coronavirus. The entire 12-member team is now in isolation outside the Olympic Village. The cluster of cases is said to be the first for the Games. Since July 1st, 322 positive tests have been detected among the 40,000-plus credential holders from abroad. That's an infection rate of 0.02%. The coronavirus and the countermeasures have made for a difficult Olympics for the media compared to past games. Joining us by phone from the Olympic Stadium today is Jacqueline Magne, for decades now reporting on the Olympics for the Australian newspapers. And as I say, she's in the Olympic Stadium for the Wednesday evening session of athletics, minus an arena full of spectators. Welcome, Jacqueline Magne. Hi, Ed. How are you? Well, there aren't that many spectators at all. There's none, um, but there is, are, of course, quite a lot of media who are finding their way out of track for the evening sessions. It does seem to have quite an atmosphere, though. I don't know whether it's the sound system or just the environment. That, you know, the, the atmosphere is quite electric. I don't think, obviously... With spectators, it would have been far more interesting and riveting and exciting for the competitors. But I also think the competitors are not that perturbed by not having spectators because they are really getting themselves up for the competition. It's a fast track and uh, they're having to run really fast times to get through the rounds of competition. So we're seeing some really electric racing. So the performance has not been uh, been limited, it seems, by either the absence of spectators or maybe even the heat. Uh, that's been mentioned as, a, as an issue for athletes as they prepare for these games. But uh, we're, we're seeing records broken almost on a, on a daily basis at the, uh, at the Olympic Stadium. Well, we are. And I think that there's not as many records as what we may have seen in some of the events like swimming pool. But we are seeing it on the track, and a lot of that is down to the technological advances in the in the shoes, uh, uh, and also the warm conditions. You know, so the cyclists on the velodrome they love it really warm and hot, and that's similarly here in the track and field stadium. The athletes, because their muscles are lovely and warm, 
and uh, that always results in fast times. So I think the humidity is restricted the times when it's quite heavy uh, humidity. We are seeing the times drop slightly, but when it's clearer, when it's more of a dry heat, we are seeing those really quick times, and uh, I think that will continue for the rest of the week. Now, what are the working conditions like? Uh, you've been to as many Olympics as I can remember, maybe even more than I actually have been to, but uh, there is a, a, a remarkable difference for the uh, way journalists can work and do their job in Tokyo as compared to past Olympic Games. Is it, is it, is it dramatic difference? Well, I think I first met you in... 1996 Ed at the Atlanta Olympic Games so people can work out from there and I think we've both covered every summer and winter games since then so uh, but these games are very different for behind the scenes I'm sure on TV it looks glossy it looks slick professional we're seeing the action and, and it's very exciting but, but for everyone behind the scenes it's very frustrating uh, the organisers have planned for everyone to get around on the public transport system and so now that that has been taken away from us because of the COVID-19 countermeasures, uh, getting on the buses, the few buses that there are, very crowded uh, situation and you have to wait a long time between buses if you happen to miss one. So that's very frustrating, having timesheets, getting uh, summaries, getting results, that's also frustrating. Just the little things behind the scenes tend to be seizing up a bit, like the Wi-Fi for instance, that's one of the most essential things that you need as a journalist. And be very intermittent depending on the venues. So it's just one of those frustrating games that uh, behind the scenes it's a lot of hard work. Is there anything that's going well that they're that, that they're, they are doing a good job with that they deserve some praise for? Well the volunteers are lovely and there are a lot of them and they're very helpful uh, when they can be. Uh, there's just uh, they've implemented a lot of uh, apps on your phone that you have to fill in every day uh, in, to try and make your life easier. You've got a book in advance, for instance, to go to a venue. So you have to decide where you want to be more than 24 hours in advance. And as you know, as a journalist, you usually tend to follow the story and not decide that until the very last moment. So that's something new. They've also introduced uh, mixed zone tickets. So they're restricting the numbers of journalists that can be in mixed zone areas. And that can be quite frustrating because you have to apply for those tickets. There's a queuing system. And in some venues, you have to turn up two or three hours before the venue, uh, before the session starts, just in order to be able to get a ticket to then go and ask someone a question. So, so there are all these extra layers uh, of requirements now in our job. But I think that the organisers have tried very hard to manage that, that they're doing their very best to allow as many people as possible various areas and to get as close to the athletes as they can to be able to uh, do your job and, and write your story. The access to athletes that reporters enjoy in previous games is not the same level of access in Tokyo, is it? Well, the level of access that we've had has been very different because you have to predetermine where you're going to go. Uh, you only get access to the athletes in the mix zone. You don't get them outside in the warm-up track. You cannot see them in the Olympic Village. 
uh, you can't see them outside. And, and you know that at many Olympic Games, once athletes to finish their competition, you can often head down to a local bar or, or district where you'll know that you'll find quite a lot of the athletes partying and enjoying themselves. And that's where you find a lot of the great stories, don't you? But we haven't been able to do that at all because the athletes have been restricted to the Olympic Village. They've had been under very tight conditions. They can only go to the village, sleep there, and then go to the venue on official transport. And so they haven't been out and about at all. And so we haven't been able to have that normal access that we have to them. And what about the Australian experience at these uh, Olympic Games? How's, how's Australia doing overall? Um, you know, what is the reaction, the feeling about the Australian team's performance? Well, the Australians are doing well because they kick-started the, the week with a fantastic swimming campaign. You know, they won 11 gold medals, uh, at least a gold medal every session. There was a lot of build-up and a lot of momentum that's been on the back of our swimmers going so well. Uh, and for Australia, who didn't have a much, as much of a lockdown situation during the pandemic last year as what other countries did, they've had a bit of an advantage, I feel, in terms of training has not been impacted as much as what some other countries have been. And so we've seen the benefits of that um, in, the, in the pool. And on, even on the athletic Extract. We're seeing some Australians coming through here, making finals where perhaps they may not have. Uh, but we have seen, whether it's Australia coming up or other nations perhaps going down, and we've seen that in the pool with the Americans, that they didn't, uh, they certainly weren't as successful as what we thought they may have been. Uh, they still beat Australia in the pool on the medal count, but perhaps by not nearly as much as what we would have thought. So Australia has 15 gold medals at the moment and uh, a total medal count of 36. And the United States, obviously, 76 medals in total, 25 gold, well ahead. But uh, for Australia, having won the 2032 Olympic Games for Brisbane, this is a really good base for the the team to build on. They've got a decade now to really build on that and have a great home game in 11 years' time. Yeah, the uh, you mentioned Brisbane in 2032. We will wrap up our, our, our conversation talking about Brisbane. Uh uh, the idea of the Olympics coming in 10 years to Queensland, as you mentioned, will serve as, a, as an inspiration for Australian sport in the years ahead here. Most definitely. Uh, Australian Olympic Committee is looking to use this as a base to get more funding for the athletes so that we do have a fantastic home games. And only a 10-year plan to prepare for Brisbane 32, but to have a 10-year plan after the Olympics so that it's an entire generation of athletes that they will have a new sporting focus. And that was the linchpin of the bid, as well as having a long lead-in time uh, enables uh, a lot of fast tracking of infrastructure and transport in the Brisbane area that will connect the Sunshine Coast to the Gold Coast uh, with new road and rail facilities and infrastructure. And this area is the fastest growing area of Australia, so there's huge population growth there and they need that infrastructure. And now having the Games, that's enabled the government to now have the excuse to fast track. They've got a deadline now of the Olympic Games and so they've brought forward what could have been a 20 and 30 year plan into a 10 year plan. So that region of the country will certainly benefit enormously from this, but also the athletes across the nation will also benefit. 
That's Jacqueline Magnay, Olympic beat reporter for the Australian newspapers, speaking to us from the Olympic Stadium Wednesday night in Tokyo. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Tokyo Report, our daily podcast about the Tokyo Games. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.